Since we open the Word of God first in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles chapter 20, the verses 1 through 19, and then from the New Testament in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 6, the verses 1 through 15. So two passages. First, Second Chronicles 20, verse 1 through 19, and then Matthew 6. Second Chronicles 20, verse 1, this is the Word of God. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a vast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Juriel, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, 
hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites of the Korathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. That's our first passage. We now turn to the Gospel according to Matthew in the New Testament and read in chapter 6, the verses 1 through 15. Matthew 6, verse 1 through 15. And we continue to listen to the Lord speaking to us in his word. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So far the reading of God's holy word. Let us now respond by singing together from Psalm 13, the stanzas 1, 2, and 3.
This afternoon, brothers and sisters, I may proclaim the Word of God to you as we summarize and confess it regarding prayer in Lord's Day 45. So we interrupt our sequence, and because of the theme for the home visit season, I've chosen Lord's Day 45 as our focal point in this special Sunday. We find it on page 559 in the back of our Book of Praise, page 559. There we echo the Word of God as follows. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his words. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. And then follows the Lord's Prayer that we just read in Matthew 6. In response to the sermon, we will be singing from Psalm 27, the stanzas 2, 4, and 6. <clears throat> Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> this afternoon also, brothers and sisters, we have our focus on prayer. As you may be aware, prayer is very common. It's as old as the world. Prayer is practiced the whole world over. Peoples of all nations and through all ages have prayed. Christ also mentions the pagans, the Gentiles who pray. They keep on babbling, he said, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So there are pagan prayers. Yes, in pretty much every religion, praying is a standard activity. The Jews do it. They even have their wailing wall in which to insert their prayers on paper. The Muslims have their set times for prayers announced by trumpet sound. The Hindus pray, as do the Buddhists. The Americans pray twice at the inauguration of their president. They pray at the launching of a rocket or spacecraft. Soccer players pray when they enter or leave the field. You name it, 
At all times, people everywhere have been kneeling or raising hands, crying or mumbling petitions. They all say, oh God, praying for their needs. Now this afternoon, beloved, we focus on prayer in preparation of this coming home visit season with its theme of prayer. To help us in this, I chose Lord's Day 45 with its questions regarding prayer. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? The Heidelberg Catechism asks. Why do Christians have to pray? Because God wants it. However, those who pray must do so in spirit and in truth, the Lord Jesus has said. We need to learn how to pray. The Lord Jesus taught us how to pray. He also held up to us what not to do regarding prayer. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray to be seen or heard in your prayers. Rather, pray in the intimacy of your room and pray to your Father who is in secret. He commanded us to ask God for all things we need for body and soul. We need to, in order that we may use all we need in our life of thankfulness to the Lord. That's why Christians pray indeed, because they are thankful. Thankful for God. Thankful for their life with God. They are thankful that God has delivered them and has redeemed their life by Jesus Christ. Now they pray to God in Christ, our risen Lord, because that's the way they receive their whole life from God. They trust that he will fill their needs, all their needs, for body and soul. That's what I proclaim to you. Thankful Christians pray from the depth of sin to the height of heaven over the breath of their life. That's how I would like to summarize the message this afternoon. Thankful Christians pray from the depth of sin, our first point, to the height of heaven, our second point, over the breath of their life, the third point. So first of all, thankful Christians pray from the depth of sin. That's what we learn to see in Lord's Day 44, brothers and sisters. That's the last Lord's Day on the law. It shows from our confession of the 10th commandment the depth of sin from which we are delivered. That's a depth which makes us small and humble, yes, very dependent indeed. It left no room for pretensions, no place for arrogance or pride. Perhaps <coughs> for people we may put up a, conf a, fruit, a, a front of confidence and self-reliance. In the eyes of men we may seem to manage quite well. However, for the Lord our hearts and lives are open and bare. Our thoughts and needs, our desires and wants, he knows. 
We confessed it in the knowledge that not even the slightest thought or desire, contrary to any of God's commandments, should ever arise in our hearts. How about that? That's how we are standing in this world, beloved, in the depths of our sins. That is, we as believers, as Christians, yes, we confess the holiest have only a small beginning of a new obedience. Let's be aware of that. We must thoroughly know our need and misery, the Heidelberg Catechism says. If we would come to God in arrogance, presenting to him our rights and royalties, we won't be heard by him. Remember the hearty prayer of the Pharisee in the parable, whom Christ denounced. Even this small beginning of a new obedience is not our work, but God's. We won't be able to come back to God on our own. It's not by our performance that our relationship with God is restored. Christ Jesus, full atonement made, and brought to us salvation. Each Christian, therefore, may be glad and build on this foundation. Thy grace alone, O Lord, we plead. Thy death is now my life indeed, for thou hast paid my ransom. Grace alone can save you. That's why we pray from the depths, O God, have mercy on me, a sinner. From this death, you also pray for the Holy Spirit. You know what the Lord now requires of you, and you want to live accordingly. You sincerely desire, no, not to do some extraordinary things, impress God or your neighbor, but to be obedient to serve him, to seek his kingdom with your life. Yet you know you can't. You can't on your own. You can never win the battle with sin, overcome the evil one. That's why you pray from the depth of sin. Will you, therefore, uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat? Question and answer 127. So prayer, brothers and sisters, is taught and commanded so that we won't say any longer, I can do it myself. You know, your little one may say that at a certain moment, I can do it. You want to help him put on a jacket, but he pulls away, me do it. Of course, then you can let him so that he finds out what he can do or not do yet. You don't have to take everything out of their hands either. Even in caring for adults, you don't have to take everything over, as if that's how true affection shows. The Lord does not do that either. Take away your responsibility. He wants you to fight against sin. He wants you to be zealous for good deeds as Christians. However, at the same time, we must say it all the time, Father, I can do it. I can do it myself. Will you do it? 
Did you hear that? Beloved, the way I put it, I can't do it myself. You don't say, I can do it by myself. That would mean that you can still do quite a bit yourself. Then you would ask the Lord to lend you a hand, just like you will have to do perhaps with your little one who can manage to put in his left arm but can't do his right. Doing it together, you and the Lord. Then you won't call from the depths, for you have quite a few possibilities and capabilities yourself. You'll be able to get quite a way on your own. Then you need the Lord for the rest. No, not that way. Prayer shows that we can't do it ourselves. Oh sure, without prayer we can do a lot of things. You can see that all around you, people produce tremendously and impressively on their own. I can do so too. Contribute to society, solve a lot of problems, and make a deep impression. However, without prayer, I can't go any further with the Lord. Without prayer, I can't proceed on the way of the Lord. Without it, I cannot be saved or comforted or encouraged either. It's in the way of prayer, beloved, that we show our thankfulness to God. Why? Because I have come, become a child of God again, without any merit of myself in the first place. A true Christian has come to see God as the Father who has come to you in Jesus Christ in order to help you in your greatest need. He has proven himself to be the one and only helper who can truly deliver us from the depths of sin, from misery, from death. Now it is in the midst of this broken and sinful world that we show our thankfulness to him by going to him again and again with all our needs. Isn't it so that you are thankful to have someone to go to for help in time of need? When you need help, you are thankful, right? That you have a helper who is there for you? Well, God has manifested himself to us to be such a helper. Now you need help. You need love. You need everything because you don't have anything of yourself. Hence, you need his grace and Holy Spirit. That's the prayer the Father wants to hear. Do you go to the Lord with that prayer, beloved? Or are you too busy for this? Doing it in your own strength, the best you can. In your daily work, on your daily agenda, do you have time to speak with God? Or are you just doing fine without? You, have, you may have many a meeting to speak with people. But what about speaking with God? You have that in a marriage too sometimes. 
that you're both so busy that there doesn't seem to be a moment for an intimate conversation with your spouse. Then you are rudely reminded sometimes that you haven't talked for a long time. You're shocked. You take hold of yourself, saying to yourself, we've got to keep talking, otherwise our marriage won't last. Well, in your intimacy with the Lord, that discovery and realization might come even much later, for you're busy. Busy with so many things, important things, yes, things in the church even. Oh, sure, you pray your usual prayers at mealtimes, at night, but for your relationship, your service, your life in the Lord. My brother and sister, remember the title of that book, You Are Too Busy Not to Pray. You have too much going on in your life not to pray especially with your life in the Lord, is so important to you, and your marriage in the Lord, and your family, your business, your daily needs, you need to pray. For without God's help, you can't do it. Your heavenly Father is not looking for a child who is running all over the place for Him, trying to be everything to everyone for Him. Your Father wants to see you come to Him, especially now that you have learned your needs and misery, especially after you have learned to know His will for your life and learned to see your sins, your shortcomings, and your weaknesses. He wants you to come to Him with these in prayer, especially in the busyness of every day. The struggles are many, the temptations severe, and the attacks on your life in the Lord subtle, that you have to go to the Father and confess, it's too much. I can't do it myself. I can't stand for a moment. You know, we just read that beautiful prayer of King Jehoshaphat and of the people of Judah. You know, that was a prayer truly from the depths. They realized how critical their situation was at that moment. They knew the strength of their enemies and their own weakness. That's when they prayed. All the people, older and younger people, then you could say of that situation as well, this is not the right moment. Too many concerns, too tense, too busy. They had to prepare for battle, inspect their arms, and train their army. Yet, Jehoshaphat and the people unite in prayer. They take time for it. They know this is the most important thing to do in this situation. That's when you hear them pray from the depths, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face, from, uh, to face the enemy in their attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Well, that's what the Heidelberg Catechism means. 
We must thoroughly know our need and misery. And note that uh, this chapter in Second Chronicles is one of the proof texts. Lord, we don't know what to do. We can do it ourselves. Then you empty yourself before the Lord so that God can fill your life with his grace and with the power of his Holy Spirit. Therefore, we see in the second place, thankful Christians pray to the height of heaven. Out of the depths of sadness, O oh, to you, O oh Lord, I cried. Can you imagine that prayer, beloved, from Joseph, for instance, or from Jeremiah, the prophet, or from Daniel in the lion's den? I'm sure they cried to God. Oh, Joseph may have called to his brothers too while he was sitting there. Please take me out of this pit. They were his brothers, right? Would they leave him in this misery? It does happen, though, that brothers are so merciless. Reuben was the only one who showed some compassion for Joseph. So if Joseph had cried only to his brothers, he would not have found much help at all. He had to seek it higher up, as did Jeremiah and Daniel. From the depths of their sadness, they cried to God. Oh, sure, God may have had a lot against them as well. Nevertheless, he was not harsh or merciless. God was gracious. He was powerful enough to save them. He could overcome the plans and plots of people. People have evil intentions sometimes. Yes, even if they have good intentions, they disappoint at times. Even fathers and mothers can disappoint. They can't do everything either or help in every situation. In all these and other situations, therefore, we may point at a higher helper. Refer to God, the highest address you can go to. Today, too, beloved, we confess a thankful Christian comes with his prayers from the depth up to the height of heaven. Why thankful? Because you know your heavenly Father. You know what he can do because you know what he has done. That's how Jehoshaphat approached the Lord as well and the people of Judah. Facing the terrible enemy, you don't hear them pray in fear, but in confidence, in thankfulness. They address him as the God of our fathers. They know what the Lord had done for their fathers. They know their history. Are you not the God who is in heaven? Did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They know the stories about the battle. They waged war against the Hagrites, Jetur, Nafish, and Nodab. They were helped in fighting them, and God handed the Hagrites and all their allies over to them because they cried out to him during the battle. 
He answered their prayers because they trusted him. 1 Chronicles 5, verse 20. What a power, beloved, and what a love. They know this God is our God. He is still the same. His promises are as sure today as they were then. In that confidence and trust, we enter upon the battle. Well, today, we pray to the same God still. We know even more about him than Jehoshaphat and Judah did. The history of salvation has progressed a lot since then. How important it is, therefore, that we know that history, study the Scriptures. We must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed himself in his word. Then you have to take the time to read the Bible, listen to God, and learn about your Father. We don't call upon an unknown God or a foreign God, or a fickle God. He is the God of our fathers, who manifested his mercy to them, his compassion, his deliverance, his faithfulness. Yes, yes, his faithfulness, right through everything, right through all sins too. He is our God. He is our Father. In Jesus Christ. Yeah, what a father. He lifted us up in Christ from the depth of sin to the height of our sonship. He can help us as an almighty God, and he is willing also as a faithful father. That's the firm foundation on which we may rest, says our catechism. And of course, then I know that things don't always go the way we anticipate or expect or hope. That can be very, very difficult when you pray and pray so intensely for something so important to you, and it does not happen. Then we speak of unheard prayers, <clears throat> for that's how we experience it. Then we need faith to trust that they are heard. Then we need faith to rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord. For you know your God. You know what you have in him. You know that from the revelation in Jesus Christ. You say, in spite of all your questions, yet, but yet, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Psalm 13, verse 5. Where the prayers go up to our Heavenly Father, beloved, their God won't let his child succumb. I'm thinking of Moses in the wilderness, when the Israelites had to fight the Amalekites. I'm sure our boys and girls know the story really well. 
Remember, as long as Moses had his arms raised, the Israelites were winning, while they were pushed back when Moses' arms went down. That's what praying is all about. Lift up your heart to the Lord, for in Christ we are more than conquerors. In difficult times, in times of severe struggles, in days of great uncertainty, never think too little of the power of our God. He can help you, and he will. Remember his love for you and his faithfulness to you. He won't leave you. His grace is sufficient for you, sufficient also to forgive you your sins. Continue in prayer to him also for your daily needs, for all your needs, for body and soul. Which is our third point. Thankful Christians pray over the breath of their lives. Brothers and sisters, let all your requests be known to God. The Lord says in his word, all your requests. Of course, that's not the same as making up your birthday list, which I never find very easy. But how is that in regard to our prayer? Do we have a problem there too? I don't want to uh, generalize but it does seem that there also we find it difficult to be concrete. Yet there is so much we could ask. How many needs for body and soul can we not observe? In regard to our life of thankfulness for our deliverance in Christ as well, how many needs we can discover? In the light of God's Word, how much need we can see in the world around us, in the spreading of the gospel, the gathering of the church, the plight of his people in the world, our persecuted brothers and sisters, and the coming of his kingdom. How many concrete needs come to our attention all the time? Well, today, with Lord's Day 45, all the needs for body and soul are in focus. In other words, as thankful Christians who know the Father and his love in Christ, we are urged to seek him in our prayer over the whole breath of our life. And the life of the younger children is in the picture. They sing their evening prayers about their needs. The life of our school children comes to mind who have their assignments, texts, their tests and exams. There is the life of our young adults who seek direction in their studies, their career, who desire a boyfriend or a girlfriend in order to serve the Lord together. There is the busyness of every day for the mothers in their households, for the fathers in their jobs, the work of others in the midst of this harsh society and rat race. There is the need also for those who no longer are involved in the world of employment, but who employ themselves in the service of the Lord otherwise. There are the needs for the chronically ill, 
the sick, the ones who are struggling with a handicap, or those who experience the decline of old age in various ways? Do you express that in your prayers, my brother and sister? Do you articulate that because you know your Heavenly Father intimately and trust that these needs are important to Him? Do you also express those particular sins you need to fight, those strong temptations that return? Do you ever pray, guard the doorway of my lips, my mouth from speaking words unholy because your tongue brings you into trouble or leads you to gossip, or Facebook does? Do you lay your business pressures before the throne of God and ask Him to help you keep those employees at work because so much depends on it for their families and for the church? Or when you have a lot of money to manage, do you pray? Help me, Lord, to manage it properly, to handle it rightly. That's praying over the whole breadth of life. We need our God for all of life, beloved. There's not an aspect of our life of which we can say, I can handle that myself. There's not an area in our life either of which we can say, I'll manage fine there to be a thankful Christian. And don't think either that there is a part of your life where sin won't bother you, the way Peter was when he said that he would never deny his Lord. He could handle that temptation, yeah, sure. We need God for everything. That's why we pray to him for everything, concretely. Yes, we are encouraged to do so because the eyes of our God are going over our whole life. Well, he won't fill all your desires, but he will keep all his promises. That's how he is. He has been that way for our fathers. He is that way as our God, our Father, who is in heaven. He deserves our deepest confidence, our highest praise, and our widest prayers. Amen.